Welcome to the Movement Made Better podcast, powered by Stick Mobility. We are your hosts, Dennis Dunphy and Neil Valera. Welcome to the Movement Made Better podcast. What is your why? What are you training for? You know, I think that's one of those questions, you know, like Simon Sinek talks about from a business standpoint or a personal standpoint, figuring out your purpose. What's your purpose? I think from a training aspect, we got to ask ourselves the same thing. Yeah. Why do you train? You know, do you think people ask themselves that question? I don't know. I think initially when someone starts training, it's usually, yeah, I think, like, hey, oh, you know what? I need to, I need to lose weight. Or, you know, I, want to, I need to build some muscle because I want to look better. But they don't necessarily dive deeper into why. Do you think that changes, though, as they get older? Yeah, I think so. I mean, when you're, when you're in high school, you're like, yeah, man, I just want to get buffed and strong. And, but then as you age, you know, you get to a place where you can't move well. Then yeah. your purpose has to change. It's like, shoot, I can't do what I used to do anymore, but I want to. So... I need to shift my focus here. Biologically speaking, when we start training at a younger age, we definitely know it's for reproduction reasons, right? We want to look a certain way so we can attract a mate or someone that we really think we want to be with. So we do it much more from an aesthetics-driven base principle or a purpose, I would say. Yeah, I'd say so, and that's probably why those magazines are the most popular. Sex sells, right? Yeah. But I think we see that a lot in still in older people, too. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing wrong with wanting to look better. Oh, no, not by any means. Yeah. What I think is interesting about the whole health and fitness industry is we talk about training to live longer with a better quality of life, right? That's typically what your the message is. Yeah, unless you're you know a competitive athlete, mm-hmm. right? And you're really training for a specific event or for the season. You know, ideally, you want to be injury-free, but you're also kind of pushing the limits, too. Yeah, you're seeing what you can and do physically, but mentally, mentally also. Mentally, too. And, you know, whenever you're pushing the limits physically, you're kind of right on that border of injury and health. You're walking that fine line. Yeah. Uh, and I think what's interesting, too, is with most people's training protocols, there's so much mental aspect that they're not taking into consideration. I think most people look at the physical aspects of what they're training for without understanding mentally what it takes to do what you want to do. Yeah. Right? So someone that is, you know, let's take uh, kettlebell sport, for example, the amount of volume that they do, the amount of uh, lifting that they do, that takes a mental uh, fortitude Oh man, it's it's brutal. I used to train that stuff early on when you know when I started training kettlebells. So back in two thousand and actually when I first got certified in kettlebells. So I took uh, I took a course from Valerie Fedorenko, mm-hmm. and he was the kind of he was the guy that kind of popularized kettlebell sport in the United States. So I went to the course, and you know I had been trained in like the in more of the hard style RKC Pavel style. So it's it's different. You know, one's more sprinting. This one's more like a marathon. Oh, it's brutal. It's absolutely brutal. You know, you're holding kettlebells up there without putting them down for 10 minutes straight. Wow, yeah. That's... And he would do some incredible things, you know, holding two 70-pound kettlebells, doing cleaning jerks for, you know, 100 reps nonstop. Mm-hmm. Just amazing stuff, but it's it's brutal. Yeah. Physically, it's super demanding. 
But that mental fortitude. And it's, it's really tedious. It's the same thing over and over and over. Mm-hmm. So, you know, just having that focus to be able to keep going for 100 reps or 200 reps, whatever it is, mm-hmm. standing in one place. Exactly. I think, too, the other thing that we're looking at now with people's understanding of why they're doing certain things, uh, a lot of it has to go with ego. I mean, you want to be, especially with social media today, you know, you want to make your posts, you want to impress people, you want to impress your peers. Uh, so maybe that's your why. Yeah, I mean, I, I believe that there's people out there that their workout is is meant for social media. Oh, for sure. And oh, they just, definitely. they record it, and then they're done, and then they, but it doesn't really, I don't know if it, it the training they do on for social media um, is aligned with their purpose. Mm -hmm. or their programming i think it's more hey look here's what i can do right i know there's a lot of trainers or coaches that are anti-circus tricks so to speak uh but you and i always appreciate a good circus trick yeah man they're fun to mess around with every now and then they're not it's just a test yeah it's it's not your training but the fact that you can do those circus tricks you know every once in a while and pull them off means that your training is probably pretty solid you know, you're strong or you have good balance, mm-hmm. you know, and being able to adapt to whatever movement you see. Mm-hmm. For sure. I mean, we talk about, yeah, when we see circus tricks, we're always usually pretty impressed with them. You know, and if you think about from a training practicality, like you said, is there really a need for that? No. But uh, when you can pull them off, it's a lot of fun for the person that does it, right? Yeah. Uh, and everybody else is all like, hey, kudos, you did that. That's pretty impressive. That's not something that I could do, right? Um, it's like the one time we saw the one guy walking down the stairs on his hands with on dumbbells. Uh, remember that we saw that video a couple of years ago, and uh, oh yeah, that was crazy. That was crazy, and he didn't even have the hexagon dumbbells; he had the round dumbbells. So there was so much more roll stability demand on him controlling his wrists, right, and his arm line. Okay, how much practice did he have to put into that? How much time did he and effort did he have to do that? And how many fails did he have? Yeah. Or is he just such an amazing hand balancer that he could just do that? That would have been something interesting to find out and see if he had that adaptability and that skill right off the bat to be able to achieve that without having to fail a few hundred, you know, a couple times or a few dozen times or whatever it took. So that's our big thing. When we're training, we want to always understand what our why is or what our purpose is and not doing anything aimlessly. So yourselves personally, take that step back and think about your training protocols and go, why am I doing this? What's the purpose for this? You know, is it to really push my mental limits and see what I can do, uh, what I can withstand or what I can push myself through? Or is it something that I just want to be, I know that uh, I need more recovery or I need more mobility work or this or that. Do I need to lose some LBs? Do I need to lose some weight? If that's your why, then go ahead and do that. Do what it takes to be able to get that uh, goal that you're looking for, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, just picking exercises, right, in your whole training program, every exercise should have a specific purpose of why you're doing it, like why you're doing a plank. Why are you doing a row? You know, what's what's that going to help for you? Are you doing it for, are you doing it to build muscle? Are you trying to work on, you know, getting your scapula to move a certain way? Are you trying to stabilize? You know, what what is the specific purpose of that exercise Mm -hmm. for you or for your client? 
right? Because you can have the same person doing the same exercise, but it means completely different things for, for each person. Very good call. I mean, we just talked about the lady that just set the world plank record. You yeah, know, what four, was it, like four, four hours, hours 20 and... minutes. I mean, that's insane. Yeah, man. I mean, you, we saw the picture of her on her iPhone. She's got the uh, earbuds in. She's listening to music or whatever. Hell, maybe even watching a movie. Four hours, 20 minutes, you could watch Lord of the Rings. You can yeah, watch you one could... of the Lord of the Rings with the extended version, too, by the way. You get right? through half a series or something. Oh, for <laughs> <laughs> you could binge watch yeah. like the boys on 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 uh, was it Hulu or whatever. You could binge watch that whole season in four hours and twenty yeah. minutes, right? So, but the, when it's, once again, what was the why for that? What was the purpose for that? For that, it was to achieve a record that no one else has reached yet. So she set the bar for that. Yeah, you know, it wasn't something that she just did randomly. Uh, a lot of coaches would say, "Well, why the hell would you do that?" You like, know, you don't know unless you ask her. But you yeah. don't know what unless you ask her. There's a lot of things of one man's junk is another man's treasure, right? So that does cross over into training protocols. Just because it doesn't fit your spectrum of health and fitness or it doesn't fit your goals doesn't mean that that's right or wrong for the other person. Yeah. Yeah, and I think we see, you know, other trainers, coaches criticizing each other for exercise selection. You know, they see a video or they criticize form. It's like, look, man, you can't really criticize them yet unless you know exactly why they're doing it and where that person is, you know, on their progression or path. It's finding the whole story, not just taking that little tidbit that you saw on social media, but really taking the time and effort to maybe even message that person and say, hey, how long have you been doing this? Ask the necessary questions. Do your reconnaissance and get as much information as you can. And then step back and go, oh, okay, I get it now. Yeah. Or that person has that special skill level that I uh, that I don't have. So that specialized skill level allows them to be able to do what they do. Yeah. Right? Uh, I mean, we as all humans, we have basic movement patterns that we should all have access to. But some of us can take them to extremes that... Others cannot. There's always going to be that special elite, elite person or people that can do things that just blow our mind. Yeah. You know? And so even for somebody like uh, we talk about a lot of people in our industry, they're like, you know, bodybuilding is not healthy for you. There's a lot of downsides to it. And, and, you know, there are. There are a lot of pros and cons. But if your goal is to be on stage and to uh, have that physique that other people would be you know, looking at and judging and going, man, that's a fantastic physique and bodybuilding terms, then so be it. You know, if that's something that you want to achieve, go for it. Find the right coaches that can help you achieve that and then see what you can get to. Yeah, and then just try to stay as healthy as you can along the way. And that's the tough part, right? Finding yeah. how healthy can you be along the way? How healthy can you stay? Uh, and, and hopefully keep doing it, right? Yeah, because to get to the highest levels of any competitive sport, I mean, you've got to put your time in and you've you got to put a lot of volume in. Right. And what's interesting, too, is even when we take a look at when people do certain things and we know that physically the long-term outcomes are not going to be good for them, if you ask those people, let's take football, for example. If you see, like, uh, older players, like, I, I've, I've seen John Elway in person a handful of times. And it's 
and it's very painful to watch him walk. Like mm-hmm. you can tell, he he's very stiff. He's he doesn't uh, he doesn't move very fluidly. But if you were to ask him if he would do it all again, I'm pretty sure he would say yes. Yeah, I mean, I I have a client who's she's um, she's summited a lot of peaks. You know, she's close to 80 years old now, but and she's had so she's had a knee replacement. She's had uh, shoulder surgery. She's beat up her body pretty good. She's but she's super happy. She's fun. And I've asked her, you know, in the past, like, hey, you know, all those things you've done, all the adventures you've done, would you take those away to have healthy knees at this age? And she's like, no, I would never, I would never take that back. She's like, those are experiences I can, you know, I can't recreate again. It's very true. Like pro wrestlers are a perfect example, right? A few months ago, I saw Greg the Hammer Valentine at the airport. And I literally watched him walk past me, and it was painful to watch him walk. But I guarantee you, if you asked him, hey, would you do what you did all over again? I'd be very surprised if he said no. He would, I mean, because it's he's achieved something that very few people would ever achieve. The yeah. fame and the notoriety uh, and being cheered by thousands of people in an arena. You know, for something that's, you know, uh, acted or scripted out, right? But still physically extremely demanding, right? We know the injury rate in pro wrestling is really high, right? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, he I, I guarantee you he would say, yeah, I would do it all over again in a heartbeat, regardless of the outcome. I saw that on an interview with Brian Urlacher when the uh, Toradol thing was coming out on how what the long-term ramifications would be with taking Toradol. Toradol is an injected painkiller that's pretty prevalent in the NFL. Um, I'm I'm assuming in some other sports also. But everything that I've heard of Toradol or I've ever read, it's extremely effective. That's why it's so popular. And supposedly the numbers in the NFL are pretty high as to the percentage of players on each team that take those injections. And so there was that lawsuit that was brought by some of the players against the NFL because they weren't disclosed on the long-term ramifications of taking Toradol for a long period of time. Uh, And then I saw an interview with Brian Urlacher, and they asked him, hey, if you you knew that the long-term side effects were this, this, and this of taking Toradol, and one of them is they're alleging is kidney failure, mm-hmm. you know, would you do it again? And Brian Erlacher is like, hell yeah. He's like, if it helps me play, I'm going to freaking take it. Like, he didn't care. Because his why was, I want to be in the NFL, I want to keep playing, I know who I am, and I'm willing to take that stuff. And I would never take it back. Yeah, and he was arguably the best linebacker at the time. Yeah, of his, of his 10, 12-year reign. Yeah, yeah, for sure, definitely. Just ask yourself, why am I doing what I'm doing? Is it because I physically want to achieve something that I, that is going to give me self-confidence, a huge boost? Uh, is it mentally because I want to give myself more confidence? I want to see what barriers I can push, how far I can push myself. Don't just train aimlessly. Yeah, or is it for health reasons? Right? And if it is for health reasons, make sure what you're doing is resulting in that outcome yeah absolutely right i mean we talk about we see people like oh i want to live longer and better and then you're looking at their training protocols going that's not going to get you there that's kind of doing the opposite especially a lot of the programs that we see we're like well those those programs are actually aging you a little bit quicker 
then you would think you, they're doing the opposite of what you're trying to accomplish. Yeah, I mean, our bodies are kind of like a car, right? Yes. I mean, you only have so many miles. So when we're, we're training for longevity, or if we're saying we're training for longevity, then ideally you're not really crushing yourself ever. You don't want the wear and tear. You yeah. don't want to burn your miles out quicker yeah. than somebody else. That's something you want to take into consideration. Just like Neil said, your body's like a car. It only has so many miles. How quickly do you want to use that mileage? And if using that mileage up really quickly is going to get you fame and success and glory because you have that skill set, you got to be good with it. You got to take the pros and the cons together. Yeah. You've got to be willing to look at the cons and go, okay, I'm perfectly fine with what happens. Yeah. So, for example, so my mom, she doesn't, she, my mom just turned 80 this year. Mm-hmm. She can fully squat, she can move, she could still jog or run if she had to, carry things. But she's never really trained. But she also, and she didn't play competitive sports growing up. So, she didn't have the wear and tear. But the one thing I can remember from, you know, as a little kid, every single day without fail, she'd be doing joint circles. Mm-hmm. Start at the wrist, her elbows, her shoulders, her neck, her back. You know, the when you put your knees together, do the little knee circles. Uh, and then every single, every night, she would read with her feet up against the wall for about half an hour. But throughout the day, she would just, she would never sit down. You know, the only time it was to eat or drive. Hmm. You know, she's had great longevity. She doesn't have any joint pain. Maybe she's lucky. Maybe part of it is genetics, too. But she hasn't, you know, punished her body at all. So, you know, you look at longevity. For me, that's an example right there. Like, I hope to be like that later on. Although I do do push myself, you know, much harder than a lot of people will Mm -hmm. at certain times. Mm -hmm. But now, as I get older, you know, I'm thinking about, okay, if I push myself really hard, Today, then I'm going to wait three, four, five days to do it again, maybe maybe longer. Hmm, nice. So in summary, what we're basically saying is, look, make sure you're understanding why you're doing what you're doing when you're in the gym or when you're outside just doing what you do for your training programs. And just keep that in mind. Uh, any final thoughts? No, I think I'm good, man. You're good? Yeah. I had an Uber driver on the way in Detroit uh when I was going from Wixom back downtown. And it was kind of interesting. He was from Nigeria. And uh, we got on the conversation of of perception of different countries. Because mm-hmm. he'd been in Nigeria for 15 years. or He's been in the U.S. for 15 years. I take that back. From Nigeria. And uh, we started talking about uh, how people perceive different countries uh, and their exposure to different areas. And our perception, based off of mostly, to be honest with you, media, TV, right? So it was kind of funny because I was asking him more about Nigeria, his country itself. What is it like? What's their things to do? Uh, what are the people there like? You know, and and our perception as Americans of what Nigeria is based off of what we see on TV. I think if you actually ask the average American what their perception of Nigeria or even Africa itself. It was kind of funny. He joked about it. He goes, I think a lot of Americans think Africa is one freaking country. Well, there's like 50 different countries in, in Africa. Uh, but what is the overall perception? And how do we 
think of a certain area. I think it was interesting. The Middle East is another area where, uh, since I've been over there a few times, it's a beautiful area. Our perception, at least here in the U.S., is the Middle East is just all war-torn, right? A lot of killing, a lot of bombing. And there is that. There is that side. But it's not, it's oh, not all that the country not, exists. I mean, you know, Laylee's Persian. Yeah. So her family's from the Middle East. And, yeah, it's just, you know, uh, people have a different perception here. Right. So go out, travel a little bit, get your ass on an airplane, jump over the pond, whether it's the Pacific Ocean or whether it's the Atlantic, and go see some other areas. The United States is great. We got a ton of different stuff to see. Canada's awesome. Mexico's great. But take your asses somewhere else, too. Get some exposure to other areas. Don't be afraid to leave your house, jump on a plane, and fly 10,000 miles somewhere. And don't just hang out in the touristy areas. Talk to the local people. Ask them questions. Find out about them. Find out about their area. Every country you go to, the people there want to show you the best of who they are. So until next time, thank you for listening. Uh, be sure to check out all our social media at Stick Mobility on Instagram and Twitter, uh, Facebook Stick Mobility. If you're ed- interested in the education, be sure to check out the website and check our listings. We are listing the 2020 schedule. Uh, we already have it up. Yeah, it's up. up there on the website uh, now. And we are also going to be continuously adding new dates for 2020. Until next time, we're out. Peace. <laughs> <laughs>